Kiki Ra, and you're listening to For the listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or even game design. Joining Roger from WoW Dogs, and For the Lore is Joe, writer for World of Maticus, and Enrique of Spooncraft. Hello and welcome to For the Lord, this is Roger coming to you on Monday, the 22nd of February. And with me, same as usual, we got the boys. We got Joe from World of Maticus, as well as WoW.com, as well as Way of the Totem, and Enrique from, well, just Spooncraft. How's it going, boys? Pretty, pretty good. I don't get to branch out as much as Joe does. No, no. Well, <laughs> nobody wants you. I mean, please. Yeah, exactly. I was scraping the bottom of the barrel, let me tell you. Ooh. Oh, oh! Ooh. I was uh, I was reading Ouch, your first uh, your your what if it's as big as your I'm not gonna go there. Um, the uh, I was reading your first post over at WoW.com and the inevitable backlash from that community. It, I expected it was gonna be there, and sure enough. <laughs> well, the interesting thing about that is um, the funniest part: the people that were the worst were people that applied for the job and got denied. You know how I know this? We track IPs. It's wonderful. <laughs> well, I assume there was some of that, although there was one gentleman who obviously had applied and hadn't gotten it who was coming to your defense. But it was funny because there was there were a lot of people bitching and complaining, but it's the same thing that you see all the time. You, you give uh, an outlet to what is undoubtedly a young group that feels that this is their chance to uh, prove that despite the fact that they are complete failures in life online in this game they know what they're talking about and only their word is law they know exactly what they mean and that's what comes across in all of these these comments i mean i've got nothing but respect for the bloggers for wow.com however their community is one of the worst ones i've ever seen well, to that, I'm going to say it's it's all hits. It doesn't matter. You can love us, hate us. You want to tell me I'm a, a, a fucking asshole and that I don't know how to play my class? Feel free. Bring it. The more you visit the site, the more popular I am, the more I'm going to stick around for a long time to come. I'm okay with it. I have a lot of, I have very thick skin and it's true, it's, but it, it's not just that site. It's any outlet on the internet. Uh, somebody's going to be retarded and somebody's going to crash their head into the wall without wearing the helmet. It's going to happen. So, oh, yeah. I mean- I mean, yeah, bring it's, it. it's um, it's it's the the greater internet fuckwad theory. You take a normal person, you put them with the anonymity of the internet, and they become a complete jackass for no reason. Like I've seen that happen right before my very eyes. It's and the community at WoW.com, the bloggers are great. I mean, they're they're a great group of people, man. But the freaking community, I don't bother reading the goddamn comments. They're a bunch of jerk offs. They have nothing constructive to add. At all. Well, this I only read it just because it was Joe, so I had to, of course, read it <laughs> just to have some fun. <laughs> and then I was reading the post that you just made, too, wherein you got a little bit of payback, too, with a pug group. 
Yes, that was interesting. And it was somebody who had read the article and it was one of the people that I found out later had applied. Um, oh, really? Get, yeah, he didn't get the position. And so his entire purpose was to try to make my life a living hell on his tank. And you know what happened? Nothing. Nothing <laughs> happened at all. He tried his hardest to, to, to make it the most horrible run ever. I just ignored his existence and just, you know, kept healing a couple buttons here, a couple buttons there. And then that was it. He just logged off in frustration. I won. I'm okay with this. Yeah, <laughs> it felt good. Uh, speaking of WoW, I uh, like I was saying on Twitter too, I, I used up the seven free days that had been given. Oh Christ, that was quite a while back they gave those. Because I remember reading about it a while back, but I never used them because I wasn't playing at the time. So I I, uh, I activated one of my accounts. I slapped the seven free days. I've, I've still got a couple of days left. Um, between all of the rested experience and the um, the plus two experience uh, shoulders, I don't have the the other piece. I'm literally I'm getting a level a day. It's going so fast, and I'm I'm playing my druid again, and um, and it's it it doesn't have its hooks in me like before, like you were joking about it before, Joe. But it has been nice seeing some of the stuff that I I did have fun with before, but it didn't take long before the stupidity of the game mm -hmm. or rather the users as well came right back and it was like ah now i remember why it wasn't always so much fun but uh but no i've been having fun and uh, and again same as when i leveled my uh, my my torrent druid to to 80 um feral right now swear to god to to just grind out aoe grind out your way to 80 feral jude is so unbelievably fast it's even faster than the enhancement shaman that i got to 80 it's it's unbelievable and you just don't die you just nope. keep going and going and going and going so it has been interesting to to be back in and to see the changes as well like a lot of the things that you guys take for granted because it's been there for a while now it's like whole new shit to me and it's like wow <laughs> that's cool when did that come <laughs> several months ago oh, okay but uh, but no, it's been interesting. Yeah, that was me when I when I first came back because I quit right before um, TOC got released, so right before three point two. Yeah, and um, I came back right as three point three was being released with Ice Crown. So just seeing TOC and some of those stuff, just at first I was holy crap, this is awesome. Look at this, guys, and it was like looking at me, just who's this moron? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, and I did manage to finish uh, my first playthrough on Mass Effect. I actually did that right before I reactivated this, and it was freaking awesome. It was unbelievable. And having played through it all now, we were talking about whether or not this would have been a contender above Dragon Age Origins for Game of the Year um, had it come out last year. And I have to say now, having played through both of them... It would be a very, very tough de decision, and in all honesty, I, I don't think I could decide right now, like on the spot, which one will win. The, the ending to Mass Effect 2, and I mean, there's so many different ones that you could have as well, too. It was funny because like several episodes back, Hoogs was joking around saying, I, I hope you're not too attached to Kelly. Guess what, But I saved her. I, <laughs> I saved the crew. I saved her. I Every single member of my squad survived um it was unbelievable like we did it, it was fantastic the ending was great i told the elusive man to pff, take a hike and uh it was just a fantastic fantastic epic ending and i was thinking that as i was playing it like is it going to be because it was ramping up so well and then i'm thinking okay is it gonna kind of 
mellow out and then be a very brief ending, like, you know, blow the load too fast. <clears throat> Frick. Um, or is it going <laughs> to actually last? Yawn. And man, it, it just kept going. And it was just epic from start to end. So I had a phenomenal time. I really, really like this game. And a lot of people, I mean, there there are some murmurings on the internet of people bitching about the ending. It's just pretty much ramping you up for Mass Effect 3. Um, but yeah, it, it just, the storyline is so great. The different choices you can make are just, it really does have a noticeable impact on your play of the game and the ending you get. Um, and it, it's kind of, it's nice to have a game where, again, just like, in Dragon Age, there are consequences to your action, but here I think it's even more so. Um, the choices you make, uh, they have a larger impact on who you, who's going to be in your party, who's going to, you know, turn on you, who's going to tweak what ending, um, how it's going to end, what your options are going to be for dialogue, uh, things like that. And it, it's nice; it's really nice to be able to see that. And it's. There's just so much to it. There's so much replayability, and that's what really makes this game just so bloody amazing. See, um, I, I think that it's one step ahead of Dragon Age Origins in terms of uh, of consequences as well, mm-hmm. simply because with Dragon Age Origins, your consequences are based on your choices, and pretty much only your choices. As you're playing, if you don't survive or whatever, you just start back again. If you don't do something in time, whatever, it's, it's not the gameplay that affects as much your your where the game is going to go so much as the choices that you've made whereas with mass effect 2 if you're not fast enough at the end with certain things there's consequences so it's not just based on choices that you've made but also you didn't make it there in time guess what your buddy just died um so things like that they 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 took that aspect of consequences to your the 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 your, the way you play the game and made it so that it wasn't just from your choices, but also from the way that you play. That's huge. I, I agree. And I, and I think that's it's it does more to immerse you in the world uh, or universe, as the case may be. Um, but, yeah, I, I am thoroughly impressed with this game and I am very happy that I spent as much time as I did with it. So did you actually get through a full second playthrough or are you still working yes. on it? Yes. Oh, no, I'm done with my second playthrough. So your second Damn. playthrough was the, the Renegade, asshole. correct? The asshole run, yep. Yeah, and how did you how, how did you find it was different and like in terms of the ending? And also, did you re-import your first character in nope. or did you start from scratch? Started from scratch. So um, let's just, before you go into that, for everybody listening, once you get to, and it's not a spoiler, it's just, um, once you get to the end of the game, what happens is that you have the option of re-importing your character into the game, same as if you were importing a Mass Effect 1 character in. You retain um, your level, I believe. You retain your level. Your Do you retain all your weapons, too? I think you yes, do. And you do. Uh, so you're way, way, way ahead. So if you were planning on, say, playing on a, a higher difficulty level, it would work to your advantage kind of thing. So anyways, go ahead. How did you find it in terms of difference? I was really amazed at just the difference in the dialogue choices along the way. Um, that by itself was just absolutely phenomenal. And it was cool because um, as I was more and more of a dick to people, um, they were all of a sudden, like, instead of having choices that just wouldn't show up, choices would show up, but they'd be grayed out. Um, and it would be completely different dialogue choices. Um 
case in point, when meeting uh, Aria for the first time in the bar, um, if you're a paragon, she'll talk to you as if like you're this long lost hero. If you're a renegade, she wants to fucking kill you. And all your dialogue choices in between are pretty much, uh, from a renegade standpoint, are just stand in my way. I'll stay out of your way. I won't blow up your space station if you just <laughs> let me do what I have to do. And it's a lot different than going through and be like, yeah, I respect your law. Don't worry. I'm not going to step on your toes. It's like, no, bitch, try to kill me. I will detonate the fucking core of this goddamn station. I mean, it, it really is like there's a, a world of difference and there's so much gray in between, too. And I think that's what impressed me most about it. Um, as far as the ending, the ending was was uh, very similar to my playthrough because as a paragon, I did manage to save everybody um, that I had in my crew. Uh, didn't lose any crew members. Um, I was an asshole to everybody but Tali. Um, oh. Macked the oh. shit out of Tali. Oh, yeah, uh, you know. Okay, I'm gonna cut you off right there. Go ahead. It, it, for everybody listening, if you do not want a spoiler, now's the time to mute I'm, for at least two minutes. I'm not saying anything unless you. I am. I am. So that's what I'm saying. Mute it if you don't want to hear this. Okay. I made a point of. I was kind of messing around where I was talking to as many people as I could to see where it was going to go kind of thing but my my ultimate goal again was I want to see Tali I want to I want to do that um I I did the um the way that I did it on that character was interesting too because I was talking to Jack as well because Miranda would have nothing to do with me mm-hmm. once I chose to side with um, Jack during that encounter. There's a, a fight between Jack and Miranda, and whoever you pick, that means that it is going to be, the other is going to hate you, unless you have really high or really low, or really high Paragon or really high Renegade. I had neither, so I sided with um, with Jack. Miranda from then on would have nothing to do with me, so it was fine. Let's just leave it at that. Jack is interesting. You can really, you can... It takes a little while, but I found it very, very interesting. Whereas Tally, it's very cutesy. It's very fun. And I, I laughed a lot of times too, especially with the defense mechanism chatting without shutting up. Um, and it was cute. <laughs> but the Jack stuff was cool. It was just like so multi layered. Now, I didn't obviously go all the way with her. And the thing with Jack too is that at one point she stops you and she says, um, <clears throat> Pardon me. She'll tell you, um, I hear you, like I know you're talking to other people and you you get around essentially is what she's saying. But it was very, very well done. But again, I decided to keep pursuing the, the tally thing. It was such a letdown. It was unbelievable because <laughs> she does the little chatter that she does, which is kind of interesting. And then you take off her mask and then you're thinking, boom, there it is. At least, I just want to see her face, see what they look like nope. under that. Nope. Nothing. She jumps <laughs> him and it's like, oh, come on. It was, I, I was so let down. It, literally, I was I was so upset. It was unbelievable. And like right after that, I finished the game. <laughs> so it made up for it. But that part, it was like, I was like, I cannot believe I worked that hard. And was this was supposed to be something that was phenomenal. They had the chance to make this into something that was great. Something that was really just build up well like the build up was so well done make it so that you're not letting the players down it was a huge letdown you got cosmic blue balls <laughs> <laughs> no no she took care of that i just didn't see anything I, I've, 
trying to play the game, to be honest with you, because I've been watching videos nonstop on YouTube. I'm like, this looks like a lot of fun. I want to try it. But, you know, God, another 50 bucks and God knows so many more hours. I need a fucking time machine to enjoy these games. But, yeah, the, the Tali thing looks... Well, thumbs up from Rick. If you don't, if you don't do all the side missions, if you just kind of stick to the main plot and move your way through it, um, you can you can get through the game fairly quickly. Um, so it doesn't have to be this huge time investment. You can always jam it on easy as well if you care more about the story than you do about you know shooting shit. Um, but yeah, it's 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 worth the time. It's worth the pickup. Yeah, I, I, I am a completist with mild OCD when it comes to that stuff. I would literally get every side quest, every item, every possible ounce of freaking content out of that game and then go into the DLC. God help me. See, I did the um I did all of the um the quests that came up, I did all of the stuff for each of the characters. The only thing I did not do was go back for um Grunt. I didn't do mm -hmm. that quest. That's the only one I didn't do. But, however, I did not explore every single planet. Because I have to say, if there is one thing about this this game that I do not like, it's the exploring all of the planets. Probing? Yeah, when you got to do all the probing, honestly, <laughs> Uranus? it is, I really, really dislike that. It, it takes forever, and yet you need to get all of those resources to be able to progress and do well later on. It was... So they've introduced something that a mechanic that is terrible, and yet you're forced to do it so that your ship can survive and so that you can get the upgrades that you need. Because they point blank say when you go through that uh, the Omega relay to um, and you 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 get through to the other side, your ship would be ripped up pretty bad if you hadn't gotten the upgrades and then as well with the weapon and things like that so there's a lot of things where you pretty much have to do it but it's a pain in the ass i hate it i absolutely hate it a lot of people were saying that they wanted to bring back like the little buggy without you know it being oh, completely broken ass mechanic if they had fixed the mechanic and brought back the buggy and actually let you go down to the plants a lot of people i read were saying yeah we would like to do that it's better than just moving a little cursor around the globe and when this thing spikes up you probe it you know yeah. whatever yeah no not cool now there is going to be it's rumored that there's going to be some dlc coming out and then it'll be announced at gdc we haven't been told officially obviously but i mean they're kind of making a big enough deal that i would guess it's going to be more than just some rinky dick outfit or weapon or, or other member kind of thing yeah, we, we've seen an, we've seen enough of just the the outfits and weapons, and I mean, we were talking about it last week. We were talking about you know buy a diet Dr Pepper or buy a you know a Dr Pepper and get a code, you know. Which and the code did not work, by the way. Really? <laughs> no, it did not. <laughs> wow. Is sad. Yeah, um, I was not happy with that. But yeah, yeah, no, you. We'd expect that something again if they're taking the trouble to announce it at GDC. At if GDC. in fact they are, yeah. you, you it would stand to reason that this is going to be something quite a bit bigger. So I'm I'm very interested to see what this is going to be. You know, Bioshock Two is getting DLC. Yes. Yeah, they're getting they're getting a whole new thing. Everybody's doing DLC. I'm so happy. 
As <laughs> like long it's a, as it's well done, as long as they are not charging you too much for it. I mean, five bucks. Yeah. In, in a case like that, then yeah, it's, it's yeah. you're ahead of the game. Like we were talking about, we're going to skip ahead a little bit here then. The um, Borderlands, the, the secret army Ooh, ar- armory yes. of General Knox. If you guys have not seen the videos yet for this, I've got them up on For the Lore. Uh, right now it's on the main page. Check it out. These videos are absolutely fantastic. This is not like the zombie island or like Mad Moxie. This is actually a continuation of the story, and it looks fantastic. This yeah, might does. actually force me to reinstall the game. This I, is going to force me to it. pick up Mad Moxie because honestly, I, I'm going to want the bank and I'm going to want the extra couple of skills just so that I can go into this a little bit stronger because they are saying too it's going to be tougher as well. It it looks tougher and like I haven't uninstalled the Borderlands, but at the same time, it's like. I don't want to play through it all by myself, but especially now with this new stuff, it looks hard as hell, bro. Let's just be honest. <laughs> freaking giant, humongous, you know, 20-foot-tall spiders that can destroy your vehicle walking around the damn place. You got giant mechs attacking you. Freaking crazy-ass redneck Crimson Lands people all over the damn place. It's just very... I, it doesn't look forgiving for one player by himself. I love that they not only have badass midgets on mounts, on skags, but as <laughs> if that were not bad enough, they've got somewhere you've got three badass midgets on a an alpha one skag. skag. Yeah. <laughs> and they've got it so that each one of them is individual AI as well, so that you're not killing just one mob when these four creatures come after you. No, you're attacking four creatures. That independently, what, like, help each other out and shit. Yeah. What about those freaking ninjas, man? Oh, man. Okay, so for everybody, if you haven't watched the video, there, the, it's taking place in an area that is going to be basically a dried up uh, leg bed. It's It looks really cool. It's really well Huge. done. Oh, it's monstrous. They've got... Also, like, they've got new enemies, obviously, like these guys. They've got these little ninja guys that are fast as hell and all over the place. They've got enemies that are um, flying mobs with, like, jetpacks as well. There's new treasure chests that contain even more loot. Um, Moxie's going to be in this DLC as well as we've got some, some fan favorites coming back, like scooters in there. Hell yeah. And then you've got different vehicles as well, including, uh, uh, they, they call it a Lancer that can carry up to four players, and each of the players has a distinctive role. Like, there's going to be one guy that can do the, the standard shooting, another guy that has, like, an AOE kind of thing that shoots For melee. Yeah, around anything that's around the, the tank. And then you've got a guy who can lay mines, and then the other guy driving. That is unbelievable. Like when you've got a group of four together and everybody can have fun and not just be sitting in the vehicle kind of thing, it's pretty goddamn cool. I, I Like I said, I was not very impressed with uh, the previous DLCs. It wasn't enough to kind of really let me take another look at the game, but this one's like, wow, I might actually want to play this. I, I think I kind of want to reinstall it and go shoot things with my friends. It might actually be worth the hassle of trying to get a multiplayer game going just to experience this content. It's that, I mean, it looks that good. And it looks like it's going to have the same kind of quirky writing as well in the stories and whatnot. The best quote that I heard was General (laughs) Knox, where he says, this planet smells like hemorrhoids wrapped in bacon. Who writes that? (laughs) (laughs) What the so yeah, that's coming out uh, for the 360 on the 23rd and on the 25th for the PS3 and the P- PC. That's going to be 
pretty much a must buy it looks fantastic uh moving on from there we've got the dragon age awakening as well they've been talking a little bit more about that and there's a video out now of they're doing videos of different members that you're going to be getting the new members and the new one is Sigrun, who is a female dwarf. This ties in to the books because mm-hmm. we didn't see um, what are they called again? The um, the Death Squad. The what are they called again? Legion of the Dead. Legion yeah, of the did. Dead. They weren't in Dragon Age Origins though. The yeah, original. I don't recall little. seeing them. When you go to Orton Tag for the first time, you meet them on the bridge. Okay, I, I don't remember. See, I didn't play the dwarf race as much. Uh, so when I was in there, I kind of ripped through things as fast as I could. So I don't remember uh, seeing them. Yeah, because there's there's a whole there's a whole quest for you in the original game for you to bring them back into standing with uh, as a clan. Like in the game, you redeem them. You make them an actual clan. Okay. See, I again, I don't know if that I skipped that or if I just don't remember it. But again, because I read the book after I played the game as well too. So having read through the first book, it was like, oh, this is, excuse me, pretty damn cool actually. So now when I see this here where they're talking about it, it was like, really looks fairly interesting because this woman is from the the Legion of the Dead and. It yeah, it looks even just the trailer. It looks like they're doing a damn good job with this uh, this expansion, and and it's making me feel a lot better about my thirty dollars yeah. being spent for this. <laughs> no, not thirty forty. I'm sorry, forty dollars being spent for it. Pardon me. Um, as long as the content is this epic and the characters are this involved. Absolutely, I'll have no problem dropping the money. Um, the new, the new types of uh, dark spawn that they show, um, the interaction that are between intelligent. yes, that are intelligent, which then again goes back to the books. Um, it's just it, it, it is. It's starting to get me really excited about it again. You know, so great job, guys, um, and I'm starting to feel a lot better about that forty dollars price tag. Yeah, so we'll see when that comes out. I, I Obviously, I'll be picking that sucker up. I am looking forward to playing it. Um, moving on from there, let's uh, touch on a little bit of the, the some more of the WoW. Um, <laughs> I know that, Rick, you had a crap load of shit you wanted to talk about. Oh, there is yeah. a lot of Blizzard stuff. Okay, well, Rick, shit, go ahead. Where do I begin? The book or the game? Pick. Well, let's, let's go, go with the first. Okay. Okay, well, we'll go with the book. I actually, um, I have a buddy of mine who's in Iraq right now, and I feel bad I mean, we've been sending him care packages and whatnot and i saw that storm rage came out which is the new you know big ass novel just like uh, arthas came out by christy golden this one is done by richard knack and yeah you know everybody's talking shit nobody nobody at wow.com likes richard knack nobody at freaking the wow.com blog is like <laughs> you know and i'm like you know honestly i i i, I don't care but whatever. Anyway, I, I don't find it to be the most amazing, you know, thing I've read, but it's not that bad. Just pull the golden spoon out of your ass and stop being <laughs> such a such a douchebag of a critic. You know, the guy's the guy wipes his ass with hundred dollar bills. He's like right there, you know, giving the reach around to Chris Metzen. It's all just jealousy is why people don't like him, in my opinion. But moving right along, it's a good book. Like the story is really freaky. It's about um it's about the Emerald Nightmare, which ties in a lot with what what Gracie or uh, Richard is going on about in his in his uh, lore, Lorecrafted blog, and it ties in very close with Cataclysm. And as things are now, it kind of takes place towards the end of Wrath, like right before um, Arthas is you know taken out apparently, and r- really fucked up. Um, 
visions are happening. You know, it's like the, the imagery that he uses when he writes are just really bad lately. I mean, they're just disturbing as hell to read. You know, some of the stuff is very graphic and I was very surprised to read that because I've read all the Warcraft novels and I've never read anything this like mature. You know, when he talks about you know, uh, Malfurion being turned into a tree and all of the limbs being contorted and leaves coming out and turning into these weird Cthulhu looking monsters that pour out of his eyeballs and just black pitch falling. It's really, really nasty looking shit if you really picture it in your mind. So I'm very impressed with it so far. I'm only like to chapter six and I'm, I'm learning a lot of cool stuff. I'm very excited about the cataclysm thing, obviously. And uh, we're seeing Malfurion. We're finally, after five years, going to see the freaking Emerald Dream. The game files have been there since, you know, 2004. So uh, good stuff. I I suggest buying it, hands down. I, I got two copies, one for myself, one for him who I'm sending out uh, tomorrow, actually. And it, the, the paperback is not that expensive, just as much about any other book that you buy about the hardcover, just because it looks nice next to my artist. So, yeah. My question about it is whether it's going to be used as canon in the same way that the Arthas book is being used. Um, I mean, they gave Christine Golden uh, basic, you know, everything you write is going to be canon. We're going to put it into the game. Um, but I haven't seen anything, any official statements like that from Blizzard about this one yet. Um, I'd be interested to see it. I haven't read the book yet. It's one of the things that I want to pick up. I am not a fan of Nax writing just from a writing standpoint. Uh, he's not a terrible author. I just don't get drawn in like I do with Christine Golden right. or, uh, to be perfectly honest, writers like David Gator. Um, you know, those are phenomenal writers and his is a little more weirdly paced. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting into it, but I want to know how much of that is going to be canon. Uh, and that'll be interesting to me. Well, it was like when we went to BlizzCon last year in 2009, I remember it was something that was asked um, at one point of Metzen and and the other folks up there. And they basically said, yeah, you know, working on Storm Rage. And he was at that time basically working with Knack trying to get the book done. And we've seen a lot of what Knack has done turn into canon. We've, we've seen the Twilight Dragons and that whole bit. We've seen Ronin as one character that Mary Sue Ronin got brought in. And I, I will agree from a writing standpoint, I'm not a big, big fan. Like, there are much better writers out there, but it's not, like, unreadable, you know, to, to that well, degree. Yeah, it just, just to get out of the way, my, my main problem with him is the, the fact that he does gravitate towards the Mary Sue. Other than yes. that, I'm fine. Um, but I'm, I'm actually kind of excited for it, and, and I really, really am looking forward to your impressions of it when you're done with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm about maybe, I'm like looking at it right now, I'm, I'm a little less than halfway through. There is one character in here called uh, Luke and Foxblood. He's mentioned the very first couple of pages, and he is um, he's he's what I believe to be the Mary Sue character in this. Uh, Brol Bear Mantle is brought in from the WoW comic book. Um, hell, everybody, Varian Warren is in there. Tyrande plays a big, big role, and there's a lot of stuff that explains what's happening with Darnas. I mean, it's, it's very, very well done, but that one character, this Lucan guy, He's like a cartographer. He's a human. And once it's revealed kind of his origin, I just I I glazed over it at that point. I was like, all right, whatever. I'm going to forget what I just read about this guy because I, I don't give a crap. I'll just go on to what I like about the story. But, um, yeah, I, I hope that later on he doesn't play as big a role the way that that, you know, he kind of like the way that Knack built up Ronin to be this big central figure. Mm -hmm. I really hope that this character does not become a central figure, because when you got Malfurion, Tyrande, you have King Varian, you have all these other massive people that I'm not going to continue spoiling, but like these massive characters that are in the game right now that play a very you know integral part of the game's world. 
they can't be just put it to the side. They cannot be supporting characters. It's the whole damn point. You even named the book fucking Storm Rage, okay? I'm pretty damn sure my fury should be the point, you know, the focal point of this, especially as we know already in Cataclysm, he's alive and well out, you know, in Mount Hyjal fighting off freaking Ragnaros, you know? So we're going to, I don't know how that's going to pan out, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be explained how the fuck he got to where he is in Cataclysm in this book, which is why I'm like fervently reading it. <laughs> well, that's very good, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. All right, moving on from there, there was some some news as well that you thought worth talking about. What the plushies? The plushies. Apparently, plushies is new, <laughs> newsworthy. Well, because no, I'm, I'm I'm preempting I'm preempting all the bitching. I'm just because everybody got like their nuts in a in a tangle when there's like oh ten dollars for the in-game pets. I'm like, all right, you know, whatever. It's and now I looked at these plushies. I really wanted to get one. I wanted to get um one for myself and one one for my wife because I already gave my kids the baby murlocs and I want to because these come with the in-game pets that are buying to account and. I looked at the in-game pets and I thought to myself, you know, Blizzard is putting such great effort, you know, they just look so much better than anything else, you know, and it's because you have to pay for them, you know, so go go, go ahead, go ahead. They're very detailed. They look like they're worth the cash. The people have gotten their hands on it um, have already said that they are well constructed. So from even from like a plushy standpoint, um, I mean, I have my the baby Murlocs and and stuff like that. and they're, they are, they're well-made. I mean, they're, they're, yeah. they're well-constructed. They're worth the money that we spent on them. And to be able to do that is, again, uh, buy them for gifts for the girlfriend or, you know, for the wife uh, or just to have it for the sake of collecting it, um, you get your money's worth out of the product out of game. Uh, and then on top of that, you get an additional little cookie inside the game for having it, whether it's you get a, uh, a baby Griffin or you get a baby wind rider that will follow you along. Even if you're in flight, it will fly with you. Um, and I think that's kind of cool too, because this is a little extra bonus. It's like, okay, well you guys bought the plushie here, have a, have an on-combat pet in in the game. Enjoy. I actually haven't checked how much are these suckers selling for? They, they're, they're 25 bucks or 24 95, which I thought at first was like, Oh my God, they're 25 bucks. And then I took a step back and I thought, you know, I paid $15 at BlizzCon each for the baby Murlocs. There was no other way that I could get them at the time. And I, Mm -hmm. I was there on the spot. So I thought, okay, I paid 15 bucks. I looked on eBay. The same thing is selling for like $40 now. So I got a pretty damn good deal. Anyway, so that's $15 plus an extra $10 tacked on for the in-game pet. They're not shoveling anything here that isn't what they already have offered. You pay 10 bucks for the in-game panda or the uh, or the, 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 the Kel'Thuzad, you know? So it's like they're not charging anymore, but a lot of people are either A, mad because they want it so badly and they don't want to pay, or B, what I think is they're just mad at themselves because they're – contemplating yeah you know I, I am willing to spend 25 bucks on a stuffed animal uh, you see you go to a toy store you go to toys r us or any other kind of store man you pay about 15 12 something dollars for a stuffed animal depending on you know what kind you're buying and how well, big it is etc yeah, but how big are these suckers too um are they like in the palm of your hand kind of thing or no are they like no, a no, no they're they're like actual like plushy size like okay. maybe yeah like they're decent they're decent size like you can give them to your kid like your little kid and she can you know Wrap cuddle it right, better right. or whatever yeah okay. i mean well, it's, then it's, actually, it's not... 25 isn't that bad for something like that then no yeah, and i mean it, it strikes me as funny man because 
we have turned over the past five years World of Warcraft in such a big like it's it's a culture you know it, I, I wrote a post about it. I was like yeah it's a culture it's just like I've seen the head crab plushies that you can buy from Valve's web's website I've Hell. seen I even put a I even put a picture of it the um the There's the face hugger from Aliens as a baby pacifier this shit's gonna come out. We'll just go to thinkgeek.com oh, and take a look at the yeah. plushies they have there. I mean, you can buy a, a freaking plushy mono molecule for Christ's sake. I mean, it's nothing compared to that. I mean, it's it's right. It's it's properly priced for what you get, I think. Right. So, so are either of you picking it up? I will be um, probably grabbing the Griffin. I will probably grab one or the other. I haven't decided, but not quite yet. I'm gonna I'm gonna wait about a week and a half first. All right, moving on to um, pre cataclysm patch. You were talking about the changes that mm-hmm. are coming as well. That they're mm-hmm. gonna start introducing mm-hmm. stuff. Actually, I was reading it on your site as well too because we were talking about it there. It's pretty interesting yep. how they're. It's coming. Like Joe, you were talking about some of the the, the small subtle things like the the. Earthquakes, earthquakes, and like that. Yeah. but now we're talking some pretty major events that are going to be coming along. Yes, yes, I'm like, I'm, brother, I'm fucking bouncing up and down like I'm a box from the ring, man. I cannot wait for this shit. I don't even like gnomes, okay? I, 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 I really oh, come on. You know, look, I, I got nothing Every, against gnomes hey, personally. Barbecued gnome is everybody's favorite meal. I'm just going to go ahead and say I it. It's, like it's true. Playing them, come on. They're fun. look. I, I got nothing against little people, okay? But <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you're five foot what? <laughs> five foot nine. I'm you are little Let's people. Go. Yeah, I, I know. I'm, I'm a little person. But it's just, you know, it, it's very cool. They're going to change. They're going to add a world event that is for the Horde and the Alliance are getting two separate things. The Horde, there's been a lot of doodads discovered and a bunch of other things discovered where basically, like, there's a bunch of people with, like, those placards, those body, you know, placard things saying, oh, the world is, you know, the world is coming to an end, the end is nigh, that sort of thing. And you're supposed to, you're going to see those guys, like the crazy people, you know, talking about the doomsday cult and shit in Ogremar all over the place. You're going to go with, as with the trolls and retake the Echo Isles. So where the trolls typically quest in the beginning, where orcs and trolls, you know, do the like one through five questing and crap like that, or sorry, five through ten, um, that's all going to become like a new hub. Everybody always skips those. <laughs> Gee, I've, I'm swimming through the Echo Isles and see honestly, I'm wondering just the trolls have that one little village where you can buy the raptor mount and that's it. So you're apparently going to bomb the crap out of it, invade it, take it over, turn it into a legitimate town, which works with what was said at BlizzCon where when Garage becomes the new war chief, which he apparently will – He's going to kick all the undead out of Ogremar. He's going to kick all the trolls out of Ogremar, and Ogremar is going to pretty much just be nothing but orcs and tauren. The trolls got to have some place to go. The undead have their own town. They have their own capital. So I'm pretty sure that's going to work out kind of nice. And uh, the gnomes get to retake Gnomergon. At the least a part of it. Yeah, they, they take the surface. That ugly-ass, obnoxious you know, precursor to the actual instance portal, it, which is full of just trogs and shit, um, that's going to become a gnome city. You know, and that looks bad as hell in, in, in concept. I think that's a great idea. Okay, Kinda so they're like not how, actually taking over inside? No, not not the instance. Uh, oh, see, the, I thought the, it was inside that they were taking no. over the building. No, it's the surface. But there's, oh, well, there's, there's, 
Nah, there's three sections to to Nomergon. There's the part that hit, sits outside the the little town that's out on top of things. There's the first level before you go into the instance, which they're taking back, and then there's the instance itself. So they're taking the surface and everything that leads up to the instance and creating okay. the town. So it's going to be um, like Ogamar with Rage Fire. Exactly. Yeah. It's going to be their staging area that they're trying to take everything back. And they are going to be, you know, Nomergon obviously is always going to be an instance, but it makes more sense now. They're on the front lines trying to fight for their home. So when the king says, go and kill that guy and bring me back his brain, it's like, well, he's he's right there. He's, he's right holding there. the line. So fuck yeah. OK, this makes sense. And I think that's kind of cool, too. And I think the fact that they're giving it a world event um to to say you say that you are participating in taking back the homeland for the gnomes is kind of nifty. And oh yeah, gnomes have gotten shafted for quite a long time. I mean, there have been footballs for Torin, um, you know, food sources for the undead, the joke of the alliance, um, second class citizens in Ironforge, and they're finally carving their own space back. And I think that's kind of fun in that regard because what else does that open the door for them? Well, now they're starting to reclaim different pieces of their city. Now we might see more engineering shit actually come into the game. And engineering shit, there's a perfect excuse for them now to make it even more interesting. And now I'm not saying that engineering doesn't have anything fun about it, but it's a bitch to level. There's really, I mean, you get you get a, a few a few good gems, and then the rest of it is just kind of like runoff. It, but now they can say, well, we reclaimed this technology from our, you know, gnomish engineering. You know, we, we were able to reclaim this from the clutches of the, the Trog Menace, you know, and it opens up a lot more doors. And it also opens up a lot more doors for lore um, because yes. it, I remember one of the first one of my first memories of this game. My first introductions to PvP was when Horde tried to take Iron Forge. They tried to take it after they busted through Stormwind into the Dwarven Corridor, hopped on the tram, and then tried to take uh, the Gnome District in Iron Forge. And they got stuck at the time. And this is before they nerfed uh, city bosses. This is back in in like you know. Uh, what was it? One, three, yeah, or whatever it was. Tor, 11, Mecha, something Mecha like that. was so freaking beastly. Mechator was so goddamn badass. He wiped out an entire army, an entire army of Horde by himself. The other NPCs were dead. He was just sitting there, just wailing on them, wailing on them, wailing on them. He's a cool character that hasn't been explored. I want to see that get explored now, too. And I think that'll be fun because, I mean, we know about, you know, Bronzebeards. We know their story. We we know Frangen, Stranglehelm, Bitch Boy, and Darnassus. We know his general story. You know, we know the story behind Velen. We know the story behind, you know, King Varian Wynn. I mean, and it opens up so much more. It's a, it's an opportunity to have more storylines, more plot. And I think that's cool. I think yeah. that it actually is something that should have happened a long time ago. Yes. Way, yes. way, way back. It's, it's not right that you have a class that is so quite obviously was the fourth class tossed in at the last minute without enough backstory. And that is what it's always felt with it. Because as much as people like to bitch about them, I love playing gnomes. I always have my very first character in beta was a gnome warlock. <laughs> I actually found the screenshots that I had. And like, because of the new computer, I found the screenshots and it was like, oh my God, little Zen bastard. He was such a good guy. <laughs> but yeah, no, I love playing uh, a gnome. There's something about it. So th this year, is something that's really cool. Well, it's they're pushing the lore really hard on this. Like Joe touched on it, but you know we're getting goblins as a playable race. So 
you can't see, they can't be like, oh, it's got to be balanced. You know, where the goblin engineer is going to get other new shit. Well, the gnomes are taking Nomergon and the goblins are joining the horde. So you instantly have two very big sources of new stuff for engineering. And that's, that's lore to support a game change that people are dying for because engineering really is just, it's, it's good for PVP. That's pretty much even it. then. You well, know, even no, then, no, no, there's no, not. They're, an, they're, the, you know what engineering right now is really good for, and I, I've got a, a 450 engineer. Engineering ganking? is good for mounts Rocket and boots. for pets. That's the main thing. You have some bonuses to your PvP. However, those keep getting nerfed all the time. Yeah. The main things are your. You're, you, it gives you a couple extra pets that you can have if you're working towards that accomplishment, uh, achievement, as well as your mounts, which, by the way, Chopper Baby, I got it on my Druid. Yay. Oh, yeah. nice, I bro. I got it. Welcome uh, to the Chopper Club. Oh, sweet as all hell. Um, and then... I still... I don't have my fucking Chopper. I, I got a cold alarm, but I don't have a goddamn Chopper. <laughs> But again, the, the PvP stuff, they keep nerfing it all the time. There's no sense in relying on it. It's going to get nerfed eventually. So what your engineer is, is basically an arrow or a bullet maker for the guild is what mine became. And that's about it. And while we're on the topic of professions, we might want to bleed Ooh. over into the next one. Go ahead. Um, all the professions in the new patch notes on the PTR, um, well, at least not all, but some of them are getting very big tweaks. Rick, you want to take it away? Um, yeah, man. Uh, essentially, I'm dusting off my warrior once again, my, my original Spooner warrior. I'm, I, I've kind of fiddled with him a little bit, but it's very hard to tank damn near anything when you have a bunch of, you know, EP and assholes running around saying, oh, you don't have 40,000 HP on buff. <laughs> Sorry, vote kick. You know, whatever. But um, professions okay, you are... You got that out down. You feel better, right? I feel so much better. Okay, good. No, so we can proceed with the um, actual profession stuff now. Yes. Yes, okay. I'm sorry. Uh, the professions <laughs> now, a lot of the... Like, to transmute Titan Steel, there's no more cooldown on that. So you're going to be able to pump that shit out left and right, which means that the price for a lot of the crafted blacksmithing items and other such items are going to drop significantly, which is very good. So instead of having to drop 8,000 gold on some crap on the auction house, you're going to probably see for 2,000 or so because people are going to get the mats much easier. And they've introduced um, this new orb vendor guy uh, named Frozo, which I think is damn funny. And... Um, what he does is that you take the frozen orbs that drop in the heroics that you know people have been stockpiling for forever that sell for maybe three gold in the auction house, and you'll be able to trade those in for any for the the, the orbs of the crusader which uh, only dropped in TOC, or you can buy them for badges, or mm -hmm. the uh, Rune Doors, which only dropped in Ulduar, or you can buy those for badges as well. You can actually buy Frost Lotus now for three gold. No, um, no, that was... That's, no, 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 that's, that's, that's a placeholder. That's a mistake. Oh, that's a placeholder? Yeah, okay. no, that's going to be... That's going to be like gotta, three frozen orbs. It's going to... Uh, okay. It's going to rack the economy, though, in terms of what we have seen so far. Like, I mean, that's actually... Right now... And I don't know if it's the the realm that I'm on because the my horde druid was on another realm, but my horde druid on the other realm, um, I made a decent coin at herbalism, not too much, but I made decent money. The one where I'm on now, you don't make any money off of anything except for those frost lotuses, and now mm -hmm. you're going to be able to just pick them up from this dude. This and so that's going to make a big difference in terms of money making from gathering professions. I hope so. I, 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 I honestly hope so. I, I I can see how it would, but I don't think it's a bad thing. Yeah. And 
and at least on my server, if you go to the auction house, people are selling uh, flasks at cost. Okay, uh, so you're not really getting anything special from the Frost Lotus. Frost Lotus prices are so far down, it's not even funny. Um, so. Yeah, so they're not. You're not even really making any money off of it anymore. So for realms like that, where no now nobody's putting them up on the auction house because nobody's making any money off of it, or you're just spending your gold on it anyway. When there's like four thousand of them on the auction house and you can buy them for twelve gold a pop or whatever, you know, it, it it's like well, cut out the middleman. Um, it's more of a, if you look at these changes, a lot of these changes have to do with getting people to max out their professions, and this is the same thing they did at the very end of Burning Crusade. And the reason that they do this is because everything, all the professions are a huge money sink. I have an inscriptionist. I have a blacksmith. I have a jewel crafter. I have an enchanter. I have pretty much every profession represented. Uh, The ones that are maxed out are ones that I had to spend a shit ton of money to do when it was still popular. Like it was like hard to do like jewel crafting. Uh, Inscription is still not maxed out because it's a pain in the ass uh, to get the stuff that I need to make it uh it took me i think four thousand gold worth of stuff to level um alchemy all the way up so i mean a change like this is encouraging people to make that final push getting ready for cataclysm it'll help more than it hinders because you're going to have more people maxing out you're not going to have one person that's you know putting up this one rare gem cut for 5,000 gold, you're going to have people that are, you know, the economy will stabilize and people will be able to get their professions up to 450. Yeah. And I think that's what we're going to see from. But what it's helping is helping people with production professions, not gathering professions. That's the big difference right there. Now with that, we're actually going to take a quick break and we're going to come back afterwards with, we can continue on this discussion because there's actually still more wow news to Just- go. Yes, there one, more is. Bit, one more big one that I know me and Joe are like, all about. <laughs> okay, how about we do it in like two minutes? Okay. All right, cool. All right, so, folks in the audience, two minutes, we'll be right back. We share a common enemy, you and I. The reward for your death is second only to mine. That alone should be reason for you to join my cause. But if it is not, and your greed precedes you, their invasion stockpile will be yours. back with for the lore thanks for giving us a few minutes for that break and we're not yet done with wow news so there was something else you wanted to talk about that was urgent now need to talk about go ahead yeah one second sorry 
Oh, come on, you're kidding me. No, I, I, really? I, had, I had to send, I had to send information. I got a, I got, I had like a phone call that I could not take. So I had to text a guy like, I cannot talk to you right now. Please don't fire me. Anyway, um, <laughs> we were talking about the, the whole changes where uh, the Alliance get to retake the surface of Nomergon. We were talking about the Horde get to retake uh, the Echo Isles, you know, so that kind of works with the whole displacement of everything. And, um, there's another world event that is coming. Not even a world event. There's a whole new series of events coming through for the raiders. There is a new raid being introduced in Wormrest Temple called the Ruby Sanctum. Now, what is happening there specifically is that the Black Dragon Flight and Deathwing and all the twi Twilight Dragons that he uh, he's bred and whatnot are assaulting Wormrest Temple. So there's going to probably be like right now we've got the whole Blue Dragons constantly assaulting and whatnot. Here's what I think is going to happen, and I'd bet money on it. Um, they got to rename a new aspect of magic. We've killed off Malagos as far as the lore is concerned in that raid a hundred bajillion times. There's no more threat of the blue dragon flight. So all those blue dragons that are attacking the temple, that daily quest and one, are going to turn into black dragons and twilight dragons. They're going to be assaulting. There's going to be a whole new war going on, phased most likely for those you know people who do like a, a breadcrumb quest or whatnot, which would be very cool as well. And... Um, Ultimately, the Black Dragons are attacking the Ruby Dragonflight. Now, it's no you know, surprise to anybody who knows a little bit of the lore that Deathwing has a hard-on for freaking, you know, the for, for Alexstrasza. Uh, Alexstrasza, you know, the queen of the Dragonflights. She, you know, he wants to, that's his ultimate, like, spit-in-your-eye kind of, yeah, I'm taking over everything when I've made the queen of the entire race my bitch. So that's, that's his whole motivation. And it's going to drop gear that will be... It's kind of like when TOC was the height of the content and they released Anixia again as kind of like another option to get the same quality gear that you're getting out of Ice Crown to get Frost Badges as well without having to do Ice Crown. Uh, going to be four bosses, apparently some good stuff coming out of that. But this is really the first major, major step in the main arc of Cataclysm is we're finally fighting the Black Dragons and that whole that whole shtick, that whole deal. So that's very, very impressive, man. I cannot wait. Me either. And it's actually one of those things that uh, I've been looking for for uh, a very long time. We were told that they were going to be opening up other parts of the Wormrest Temple before uh, the Wrath was done. Um, everybody kind of had a sneaking suspicion it was going to be the Red Dragons. Sam's over there foaming in the the, the chat here that he called it, he called it, he called it. Um, <laughs> it's not that hard to call when you got the uh, the Queen of the Dragon was held captive and her eggs ripped out of her in order to create the Twilight Dragon flight. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it was bound to happen. I mean, it was going to happen. We all knew it was going to happen. I'm just happy to see it happen. And I'm very glad that that is the lead-in because that is a really cool space. Um, Sarth was always one of my favorite encounters. Um, the way that you activated hard modes on it, the way that the, the instance was laid out, um, it always made me very pleased. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how the pocket dimension of the Ruby Sanctum is compared to the Obsidian Sanctum. And it's a nice little cookie uh, to wet our whistles, uh, getting us all geared up and ready for, uh, for Cataclysm and for the Big Bad Showdown with the uh, the, the the earth essence himself uh, as fucked up as he is. And as far as declaring a new aspect of magic, uh, if Caligos, Caligos. Does, if he doesn't get called for it, if he doesn't get picked, uh, it'll be Ronan because Ronan's Mary Sue and everybody gets, you know, it'll be picked for it. Uh, 
but that's my prediction. I assume that I'm going to say it's Caligos. No, I, I I doubt they're going to make Ronan because it's they got to it's got to be a dragon. You know, it's got to be a dragon. Yeah. They're going to pull another demon soul kind of thing out out of their butts, and they're going to empower. You know, either that or maybe uh, we're going to get some wild out of left field. Freaking uh, the the Titan guy Al Algalon is going to you know empower fucking uh, Caligos with whatever he needs to in order to you know to get Caligos up to up to snuff. But um. I, I'm really excited about this whole thing, man. We're supposed to see these major changes. We've seen kind of even a little bit. If you notice now that when they changed even this whole the, this last patch, 3.3, um, where they made the weekly raid boss, right, as a, as a mm-hmm. weekly uh, quest to go in and kill a certain raid boss, as is the Council of Seven or the Council of Six has chosen this target. Um, that's that's the, the 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 Council of Tears fall. That's the Guardians. That's the whole Medivh arc yep. that has been explored in depth in the comics. And the Council isn't just mages now. Apparently, the Council is this um this Draenei Paladin. It's um it's got druids in it. It's got paladins and it. it's got mages. It's got priests. It's got a warlock. It's got you know the Council is made up of every kind of spellcaster out there. And apparently, at least according to BlizzCon in 2009, and this ain't a spoiler because it's been all over the fucking news when BlizzCon came out. Um, the next guardian is supposed to be Thrall. That is why Thrall is not going to be the war chief of the Horde anymore and why Garrosh is going to come up probably through the popular vote, not because Garrosh is naming him as such. And we know at some point Karn uh, dies or gets killed or whatnot, probably by uh, Garrosh and his son Bane Bloodhoof takes over as the leader of the Tauren. And then there's the whole deal with the... Um, the freaking Grim Totem clan. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on that is going to be very cool because it will actually show for the first time in the history of this game an actual legitimate progression of the story. People like you, me, and Roger who played back then, it's like we're, we're familiar with these certain characters. They're gone. They're going to be written off. It's going to be a legitimate, you know, the next season. You well, know? that's something if, that I really interests me a lot because it's something that um, Richard talked about as well on Larcrafted, wherein he was talking about the different changes when you have something like this where there's a potential of losing a major um, boss, like uh, um, the... the uh, a faction or a race boss kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I was saying, I posted it on his site saying, I think that's fantastic. I think it's very important to have such changes to keep your game alive. I'd actually like yes. us to touch on that a little bit, maybe on a future episode where we can talk about our opinions on whether we think that it's important for the game to be this living, breathing essence that is always changing where you can't rely on something always being there or if the static and known is something that's familiar that you can, that that makes you want to keep coming back. But again, I'd like to tackle that on another episode. Let's move on from there though and okay. staying with Blizzard though, um, did you guys see the art for the female barbarian? Yes. For Big Dark boobs, Diablo 3. Yeah, well, oh my God. <laughs> if oh it's the gravity defying kind of concept art um (laughs) it it was very interesting but (laughs) did not break you (laughs) my god it it is a white version of grace jones put into blizzard's diablo game oh god yeah it's ridiculous basically big time digging it shit are you kidding me (laughs) (laughs) and then from there you guys have been well more rick than than joe been playing the starcraft 2 beta so how about you give your your thoughts on it now joe um is there anything you would like to contribute before i go on my tarot 
I am thoroughly impressed uh, with the polish on the game. I am thoroughly impressed uh, with how it feels and handles. Um, I am thoroughly impressed with the artwork, the visuals, um, and the level that you can actually get in and watch the combat, um, as well as the fact that they've kept all aspects of the micromanagement in the game intact. Um, This is a real-time strategy game like we've been looking for for a very long time and so far just from the multiplayer aspect of it right now it has been well worth the wait uh it's just it's pretty it's damn pretty i haven't played nearly as much as rick has just due to time constraints but good god damn is it pretty Mm -hmm. Uh, that's i mean it's polished it's pretty it feels great uh and that's pretty much all i have to say about it right now uh, until i get more time under my belt rick Feel free. Well, well, here's the thing. I'm not going to talk about, oh, you know, this people's overpowered. This is cheesy. I'm, I'm not going to go on a nerd rage about that. I, I thought twice about it in the pre-show, and I thought, you know what? There's there's just a couple things to say. You don't need to go into this big, long sh- spiel about it. We've been waiting 12 years for this fucking game, man. We've been waiting a long time. I'm actually not surprised. After going to the past two previous BlizzCons and playing it, I'm not surprised that Blizzard puts out a tight, very, very, very tight beta. It's not like the other betas that, that we've held. The three of us have played recently for other types of games where the shit's fucking crashing or there's some kind of bug or there's rubber banding or whatever the hell. I mean, there is none of that. There are very minimal reports of lag. Yes, there is a lot in the text or in the bug report forum about like certain graphical bugs or just, you know, other silly shit or whatnot, but that's to be expected with the beta. For the most part, I actually have not run into a single solitary issue with the way the game plays outside of balancing balancing is a different beast entirely that's just you know everybody can talk about it but as far as the beta goes man they put out a great product this really really is boding well for the fact that this game is not going to have hope to god any like crippling problem that is going to set it back the battle uh the the battle net 2.0 looks awesome the ui is fucking incredible it's like goddamn facebook for video games it's it's amazing it's great you know i i can chat with people from other games while i'm playing the game that obviously hasn't been added in yet but i mean like i can set up you know friends this across the thing do mass invites is just a lot that's really really good about that game you know about the whole uh, uh interface i mean it's very easy Dude, I have to wait maybe 15 seconds tops before I get into a match with somebody. And even then, the the matchmaking, it's just it's not like WoW or any other game where they can like, you know, they can scan your gear and then pitch you up against an even match. You actually have to play 10 preliminary matches in whatever bracket, 1v1, 2v2, etc. And then from those 10 games, it monitors your play style, it monitors what races you select predominantly, it monitors how you win, how you lose, if you win, if you lose, and then it puts you in with other people who have similar results that you do. That's really cool. The only time that I've ever fought anybody that has been just phenomenally better than me is if I've had to do an expanded search um, you know, where like it says searching for players and then after about 10 seconds is expanding search, then it'll say players found. That means that it had to look beyond the normal parameters to, to people that are either much better or much worse than you. But um, 
I'm I'm really impressed by this man. That the biggest thing about StarCraft, what made it stand apart from any other uh, RTS, is it's a balanced game. All the maps are like mirror images of each other. There's not one tool that one race has that there is no counter for. You know, it's all based purely on your skill. They give you the same tools to get the job done. That's really important in a game that can be as competitive as StarCraft 2. So I'm, I'm really digging it, man. I would have loved to get the, the single player, you know, the, the single player aspect and get to play some of that story because that I'm like salivating at the story of StarCraft 2. But, um, you know, we're not that's not in the cards for us yet. And they haven't activated everything in the beta, like the, the social tab with the chat rooms. Everybody's up in arms in the forum saying, oh, we want our chat rooms like Battle.net. That's there. They haven't activated it yet. They want to get they're doing the beta like in these big chunks. We want you to f- thoroughly test this. Then we'll fix it. Then you thoroughly test this. Then we'll fix it. We'll just keep adding more and more and more as it goes along. They're not going to throw everything at once and kind of make it this insurmountable job to get the game ready for shipping. So I, I'm really digging that. I'm very hopeful for, for a release in the fall. All right. We're going to talk about it more as you guys are playing a lot more, maybe even more next week after you've gotten, again, a lot more playtime, both of you in it. I unfortunately don't have a beta key yet for it, so I'm not, I'm not playing it, but that's cool. Again, I'm very interested to hear what you guys have to say about it. We're just going to end the show with, uh, with a couple of things right now. One of them, I'm assuming you guys have both read about Ubisoft's digital rights management for <laughs> Assassin's Creed 2. Yeah. Don't have to say too much about it, only that it is unbelievable in wanting to stop people from pirating their games they're going to make it a must pirate game not that it's okay to suggest that piracy is the only way to go but it's unbelievable that you're going to have to have a maintain a network a net connection internet connection and a decent one at that too or you will be dropped and you will be taken back to the last checkpoint, which who knows where that is going to be. I, it's, you can't win by putting DRMs in a game. Other people are starting to realize that now. And it's when you're leaving it open that you are going to get people who are paying for your games. That people who would have pirated anyways would pirate it anyways. It's not going to change. All that's happening with this is that you're making the people who would have paid pirate the game. Mm-hmm. Their DRM is like an abusive boyfriend. It'll beat the crap out of you, take everything away from you, and then eventually say, it's okay, I still love you, you can play again, and it'll let you go back into the game. It's retarded. That's all I have to say about that. I, I, I don't want to turn this into a discussion about DRM because we'll be here all night long, but I don't agree that piracy is even it's, – it's obviously not legal. It's morally wrong. It's ethically wrong. You shouldn't steal, period. I mean it's, it's fucking it's, – you don't do that shit. Obviously, somebody put a lot of work into a product. You know, you're shitting on that game developer or that designer or that art student or whoever the hell you know, by, by pirating the, the, the game. In the same hand, I don't fucking get it with all these bean counters just thinking, oh, we'll throw DRM in there because of whatever the hell reason. It's just like, you know – if you made the game just a good, solid game and you weren't so goddamn worried about making it so that nobody could steal your product, if you just, just ignored all that shit, people are going to steal it. Like I said, they're going to steal it. People are going to pirate it are going to pirate it. There's always going to be a way. Go to 4chan for five minutes. You'll find a way to do whatever the hell you want to do. 
just make a good solid game that people will want to buy with more merchandising like freaking Bioware's doing left and right, Blizzard's doing left and right. You're going to make your buck somewhere with your product as long as your product is good, as long as the quality is high. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, I mean, uh, Bioshock 2, I've purchased uh, the freaking collector's edition. I, I, down, I purchased and downloaded on iTunes the, the, uh, the score, I'm sorry, the soundtrack from the second game because it only came with a score in, in the, uh, in the collector's edition, you know, because I like it that much. I mean, yeah, I'm going to pay for it. I could have easily downloaded it, but why it's, I, I got no problem dropping 12 bucks on this. You know, it, it doesn't bother me as such this whole DRM thing. It's punishing you just, you, you can't, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand the logic behind putting this kind of DRM on it. Like really, why would, what, what does Ubisoft gain? Not a damn thing in this case. And I think that that's what they're going to find out. But unfortunately, the powers that be decided that it was better to abuse the people who actually are paying for the game. Moving on from there, though, we're going to end the show with Joe's impression on Dante's Inferno. This is a game that I have to say, quite honestly, we were all talking quite excitedly about it. I've been hearing more about it as it's been released and to the point where it's... I'm not even going to rent this sucker at this point. I'm, nope. It's not something that I'm interested in anymore. But you did play it through to the end. What were your thoughts? Disappointment is probably the best word that I can possibly think of for this game. Uh, I followed this game's development, not just from a story standpoint, because I was always interested in the classics, but also from a game developer standpoint, watching what, what they said was the care and intricacy that they were putting into each level each level of hell and you know what they i don't see it it's a pretty game and you know everything is very flashy and everything is very uh sparkly and shiny and that's great that's fine and dandy but my problem with it my major problem with it is everything is so goddamn short you mean to tell me that you delayed this game for months and months and months because you were developing all these worlds all these 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 layers of hell there are literally the seventh layer of hell is four goddamn rooms okay four okay they're not even showing us the same stuff that they showed us at e3 when they were when they released a gameplay of it not the last e3 the e3 before it the artwork the levels that they had there are not even present it's just it's it's a letdown it's a huge letdown especially for something that was absolutely so it was hyped it was really hyped and not to the where it was like oh this is gonna be the end all be all but it was gonna be a great game it was gonna be very artistic very artistically done the levels are gonna be sweeping and grand and awe-inspiring and it was gonna be you're going through hell we can do anything we want here and you don't see it and that's my biggest disappointment with this game. It's just with all the time that they put into it, all the money that they put into it, I don't see it. Where is it? Where did it go? Because making level complete levels that are nothing but four rooms with seriously not as many mobs as I would have expected by being swarmed in hell. It's it. It's horrible. It's just, it's very disappointing. The entire game can be de just defeated soundly in five hours. You can beat the entire thing in five hours of gameplay. Why am I going to spend $60 on that? Why am I going to spend $9 on it? Yeah. Yeah. No, you guys have failed. You guys have failed miserably. And yes, the code you get with it when you buy it is for the expansion that's being released for it. So you can download it for free. 
But what are you going to do? I've just gone through hell. You're going to give me purgatory now? You're going to let me go to heaven so I can go through four rooms and meet God and then punch God in the face and rescue my wife? I'm sorry. It's not that there's nothing there. I mean, you've, you, you completed the story. You've completed one book in this. And in five hours, you have defeated hell. There's, there's what else are you going to expand on? What are you going to put side missions in? Yeah, I'm but just, this is where we'd be seeing liberties with the story, obviously, and with the, it, the legend where, and they'd be introducing further things because otherwise we're, what else can they do? What are they going to do? They're going to give me a free download for 12 rooms, three levels. That's yeah, unless they add extra rooms to each level. Eventually. <laughs> That's the only way they could do it. But even then, it's just, it's very disappointing for the amount of time yeah. spent in the game. It really is. I mean, look at the amount of time that went into making Mega Man 9 and now Mega Man 10. Um, those are much more uh, immersive games and give you a lot more bang for your buck for the money. So, yeah, I'm just going to say I'm just I'm very disappointed. It's not even worth the rental. Yeah. Again, it is a game that initially when they were talking about it, I was it was very much something that I wanted to play. I did want to play it to the point where I actually was considering buying it. And then the more that you found out about it, the more you realized they should have kept it <laughs> under a much tighter lip <laughs> and not said anything about it. Because the more they released, the more it was like, no, really don't want to get this. So it, it saved me money. So on that in that regard, it's good. Well, they did what they hyped out. Well, we're making a comic. We're making an animated movie or whatever the hell about an anime series was it? I don't even remember. Movie. It's uh, yeah. seven different directors like the Animatrix type thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we're going to do this massive, you know, big campaign to, to promote this game and sell this game. And from everything you said, everything I've, I've read and everything I've seen and reviewed, it's like, yeah, it's a short game and it's, it's a letdown. Yeah, it's, it's a... Yeah, it's freaking empty. It's hollow. And that's it for 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 a time when we are counting our dollars, and we are we are looking for the return on investment of the money we've put into our games. It's it's a dud. It is a polished turd. I'm sorry. <laughs> and with that, we're gonna call it a wrap for tonight. Uh, thanks for everyone for joining. Make sure to listen to the podcast as it's released on Wednesday for uh, Vince's second feature on the squad member from Mass Effect 2. This one's going to be on Miranda, which is the second member that you get. The first one was fantastic. I loved it, and I'm very much looking for... <laughs> Don't mind us while we're I'm having sorry, fun with I'm the sorry. chat room. Sorry. Uh, but yes, I'm looking forward to, to hearing actually Vince's... Uh, <laughs> Are you done? Are you feeling? I'm, I'm good. Are you okay now? Okay, yes. <laughs> what a horrible night for drinkers. <laughs> and with that, we're going to let you go. We will talk to you next week, same time, 6.45 p.m. Eastern time. Take care, guys. Bye, everybody. Bye. Hello, everyone. This is Vince from MassiveNerd.net, bringing you my weekly Mass Effect 2 squad member biography. Please note, these features do contain spoilers, so if you have not finished the game yet, now is the time to stop listening. This week's character is the Loyalist, Cerberus Officer Miranda Lawson. Miranda's role on the Normandy is second-in-command and chief information officer. In addition to her vast network of spies and informants, she is one of the few people within Cerberus with a direct line to the elusive man. Despite her high rank, Miranda's initial decision to join Cerberus was one of necessity rather than desire. 
Miranda was raised by her father, a wealthy and highly influential figure. Miranda had no mother, as she was not born. Instead, she was genetically engineered from her father's DNA to be a perfect example of humanity's potential. Her intellect, appearance, and abilities, both physical and biotic, were all enhanced with the intention of making Miranda as successful in life as possible. As Miranda states, her father was not looking for a daughter, but an heir, a dynasty. He wanted someone to carry on his legacy, not forge her own. Creating Miranda from his own genetic code was a decision fueled by his vanity. Growing up in this life was not easy for Miranda. Her father was not loving, he was not nurturing. He constantly pushed Miranda. Every success was met not with approval, but criticism. Miranda may have done well, but she could do better. She was the progeny of the one of the most powerful men in the galaxy, engineered to the highest genetic degree. Good wasn't good enough, nor great. She needed to be the best. Years of this led Miranda to become a very rebellious youth, at least within the limited amount of freedom she was afforded. Deciding to cut his losses, Miranda's father created another daughter, Miranda's genetic twin, to replace Miranda's wasted potential. Miranda decided that, despite the wealth and luxury, this was no environment to raise a child in. She took the baby and ran. Miranda's father chased her across the galaxy until she approached some associates of his, Cerberus. Cerberus decided that Miranda's skills were more valuable than her father's financial backing and accepted her. They would provide protection for Miranda and a new life for her sister in exchange for her loyalty. Miranda quickly rose through the ranks, eventually earning command of the Lazarus Project, working to bring Shepard back to life. Initially, Miranda was very jealous of Shepard. Newly resurrected from the dead, Shepard is given full control over one of the most advanced warships in the galaxy. Giving a man of Shepard's reputation free reign to do as he wishes with no control seemed like a bad investment for Cerberus to Miranda. She sticks around, keeping an eye on Shepard for the elusive man. After seeing Shepard in action, she asks him for help. This leads to her loyalty mission, the Prodigal. Miranda's father gave up looking for her, but never for her sister, now living her new life under the name Oriana. After years of living in secrecy, their father had finally tracked down Oriana. Miranda needs to get her out, and with nobody else to turn to, she needs Shepard's help. Arriving on Ilium, Miranda and Shepard discover that her father has hired Eclipse mercenaries to recover Oriana. There is, however, good news. Niket, Miranda's only friend growing up, the man that helped her and Oriana escape the first time, was on Ilium to escort Oriana and her new family off-world. After battling through the Mercs, Miranda and Shepard find Niket and the Eclipse captain, working together. Apparently, Miranda had asked Niket for help running away with her twin sister. While technically true, she left out the information that while genetically twins, the girls were not the same age. According to Niket, this was kidnapping, as Oriana was never given the choice whether to stay or leave. Feeling deceived, Niket agreed to return Oriana to her father. Of course, he was being compensated for his work as well. Unable to see Niket's actions for anything but betrayal, Miranda decides to end their relationship, one way or another. Once Oriana's safety is no longer in jeopardy, Miranda thanks Shepard. Given her upbringing, she finds it very hard to trust people, especially since the one person she did trust turned against her. Despite all that, Shepard has earned her trust and an apology. Miranda's initial distrust of Shepard had nothing to do with him as a person. Instead, she was displacing her own insecurities as jealousy of Shepard. Miranda was given everything in life, her strength, her intelligence, her looks. 
she feels that she cannot take credit for any of her accomplishments. Rather, only her failures are her own. In contrast, Shepard has fought for and earned everything in his life. He became the first human specter and saved the galaxy several times over through only his own skill and determination. Miranda feels that she will never accomplish anything in her life that she can be proud of. Shepard convinces Miranda that she has many qualities worthy of admiration. She may have started out with more than others, but it's what she's done with those skills that makes her who she is. If Shepard chooses to further comfort Miranda in this way, they can form a romantic relationship. Be warned, if Shepard gains the loyalty of both Miranda and Jack, he will have to choose between them. Jack hates Cerberus for the experiments performed on her as a child, while Miranda refuses to take any responsibility for the acts. If Shepard chooses to support Jack over Miranda, he will lose Miranda's loyalty. While that loyalty can be regained later, any chance of a romance will be lost. While information may be Miranda's purpose on the Normandy, she is no flower on the battlefield. In fact, Miranda is easily the best character in the game to take along with you in combat. She best fits in the Sentinel role with a mix of tech and biotics. She's the only squad member to have access to both Overload and Warp, allowing her to take down any type of defense. Though, without a way to reduce her cooldowns, it would be best not to depend on her as the sole provider of either debuff. Six seconds can be an eternity when you have a pair of Emir mechs bearing down on you. These two skills alone would make Miranda a welcome addition to any team, but it's her passive skill that sets her above the rest. Every character has a way to passively increase various stats, but Miranda is the only one that grants a passive buff to the entire squad. Up to an additional 15% health and weapon damage for all three active characters is extremely valuable, even essential at higher difficulty levels. Miranda may be Queen Bitch of the Normandy, or she may be a lost little girl searching for a father figure in her life. No matter the truth, nobody would say either to her face, or risk having their head crushed with a thought. Regardless of her motivations, Miranda is a strong, powerful woman who will always make her own decisions in life. As some of you know, I've started an auspicious project with my youngest son. He's going to be 13 and a little under a month, and his goal for some time has been to go into game development. Now, I believe in supporting my kids' dreams, and so I told him that once we got the new iMac, I would get us a license to develop for the iPhone, and we'd start a project together. I'd also made it quite clear to him that this would be a fairly lengthy process, as I would need to teach myself iPhone development, as well as work with him to write the actual game. Now, luckily, he's alright with that. He's a patient young man and understands the concepts of quality and the time required to acquire it. We discuss what we'd like to do and in the interest of not taking an excessive amount of time for development, we decided on a single premise, the one which would still afford us a lot of depth for our story. The game will contain a lot of text, reading will replace gameplay and become something that defines the game. Now, This is important for us, despite his youth the lad's a writer like his old man. There will also be choices presented to the player and consequences, very serious consequences, which will follow the player through to the second and third installments of the trilogy. That's right, trilogy. It's not that a single installment wouldn't have been challenging enough, but rather that the story in order to do it justice requires three installments. I already have over 60,000 words written, however due to the complexity of the story, as well as the choices and consequences mechanic, many more will be required. Many more. 
And this is where it gets interesting, as we've gotten to see with recent hits like Dragon Age Origins and Mass Effect 2, both from Bioware, not coincidentally, a system which incorporates choices and consequences requires a lot more writing as the story branches out into distinct paths. It can get confusing if you intend on making your character change based on each choice. This is very important to note. It's one thing to have characters who don't change regardless of their setting, as opposed to allowing them to grow and become different people based on the choices you've allowed players to make. It's my opinion that every single choice, as in real life, alters us, as every moment in our life defines us. If a character chooses to slay another for whatever reason, can they truly remain the same afterwards? Can you write from the perspective of that character as if they had not changed entirely because of that moment? Now, when writing a novel, you don't afford your readers that choice. You've decided where the story is going and how the characters will behave throughout. As such, it's quite simple to outline a novel. It's a very linear experience. You may choose to create what-ifs and explore possible outcomes. However, once defined, you then abandon the previous path your story would have taken. Not so with a game wherein multiple playthroughs can result in entirely different stories, characters, and outcomes. In such cases, in order to maintain continuity, you must storyboard every aspect of the story as well as each possible choice. This is where we're at right now. I've researched a variety of applications which would allow us to storyboard the game entirely on the computer, however each had certain limitations which either restricted our imagination, made it difficult to make changes, or simply didn't allow for as many choices as we need for this project. In the end we settled on large sheets of blank newspaper, ends of rolls which you can pick up from printing shops, as well as markers and post-it notes, a high tech, I know, yet very effective. I'll continue my search for a storyboarding application which could potentially suit our needs, however until then, this is working just fine. Each post-it note can be identified with a code allowing you to know that a specific branch will all be prefaced with the same code. Example, each scene with the code 1A and then a numeric code after is sequential and as such can be written in succession. This is very important because you really want to avoid writing scenes willy-nilly regardless of how excited you are to dive into a particular scene. As with writing a novel, it's very important to have the proper mindset of the characters when writing as them. And if your characters are going to change over time based on the choices which the players will make, then you want to follow the proper sequence of scenes in order to maintain the integrity of each character. Now upon each post-it note, in addition to the code dictating the story arc, you can also indicate the characters involved in the scene, the location, and a brief outline of what the scene entails. You can also indicate the possible choices, though I find it simpler to write these right on the paper under the post-it notes. In the end, your wall should be covered in paper with post-it notes riddled across it, joined together with multicolored lines and dotted notes. When viewed by an outsider, it'll look like an absolute disaster. However, for you, It'll make complete and perfect sense, and it will keep you focused as you proceed with your project. and me laughing like an asshole. I don't think it'll go over too well. Dude, everything you do sounds like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
Hell, if you destroy two of their buildings, the computer will actually type GG. It's freaking hilarious. Yeah, I noticed that. I was a little, um, I don't know how to say weirded out by it. And then I got my ass just trounced, man. <laughs> I thought you were the one that was supposed to be quiet, Rick. Oh, man. No, see, when I got people yelling constantly in the background, I gotta, you know, I gotta find out what the hell's going on. If I can't hear you schmucks through my headphones and I can still hear them through my headphones with all the noise going on, you know, something may right. Protoss, anybody who plays Protoss can kiss my ass, really. Should, should we just take StarCraft off of the wave for show notes and you can just discuss it all now? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's like there really isn't much else to discuss. Just I'm very, very, very impressed with Blizzard making a beta that is that smooth, man. Like there are some graphic bugs. Shut up. You missed the whole point of my thing. <laughs> save it. You want me to be quiet? Well, then just well, save I'm it. I'm just saying like how much more are you going to be able to go over? Um, okay, good point, you know, I'm just gonna... <laughs> <sighs> I, okay. I'm just trying, I'm trying my best to make you curse because I know you're downstairs. I, I am not going to. <laughs> yeah. Freaking sporker. <laughs> I, 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 I told Missy she's lost in laughing. He's like your arch nemesis. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I just thought, well, Spork was used already, and so then I thought, oh, well, obviously Sporker. And it just oh, no, was it's good. It's perfect. Good. I mean, it, I I now have to play on that realm just so that actually what I should have done because it's a PvP realm is made a horde something and then terrorized you whenever I could. It would have been like the the battle of all ages, Spoon versus Sporker. I was like, who is this asshole named Sporker? What the fuck? <laughs> you're complaining about it in guild chat and you come on and it's like, hey man, why are you in such a bad mood? I'm like, this guy's Sporker. He just keeps freaking fucking with me. Yeah. <laughs> Something about a penis bread, like a penis loaf. <laughs> That's all I heard of the situation. All I knew of the situation was I talked about a penis loaf, and they were like, "Give me crap about it." <laughs> it was, uh, it was, it was kind of special. Hey, Joe. Yo. What you doing? Are you going to quagmire or Peter Griffin me? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Be back in a sec myself, guys. Yeah, tune into the podcast as the three of us go take a piss in unison. It's like we're synchronizing our Hey, you know what? <laughs> Fuck you, Sammy. People like me. See? I'm liked. <laughs> Bastard. <laughs> Again with the StarCraft 2. Sorry. <laughs> you know what, man? It's not like you're not going to get a chance to talk about it. Jeez, keep it in the pants at least for a couple of minutes. Can't help it. It makes me all hot and bothered. Yeah. Hey, what the hell is that? That was. <laughs> I yeah, I'm waiting for you to do your typical. Welcome to For the Lord, blah blah blah. It's like so quiet. This is your long pause. I cannot help but laugh. 
Okay, hey, tell you what. Off with it. You go ahead. You do it. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't. <laughs> go ahead. I can't do it. I'll I'll slur and stutter like I am. Just do the damn thing. My new button is not working. How long can he hold? I don't know. Unless he finally found his mute button. I think probably. Y'all think you're so clever. Yeah, yeah we are, actually. <laughs> Ask her out. <laughs> All right, shut up. Not a single potty word. I feel good about myself. Yeah, I think, uh, and I cursed a whole lot less tonight because you guys weren't really cursing. So there you go. There's hope for us yet. Whoever is filthy, let him be filthy still. Listen to the words long written down when the man comes around.